you're listening to this as it drops, then you are in luck because I have a brand new course coming out called Depolarize. In it, you will learn to harmonize, communicate, and connect even with people you completely disagree with, which seems to be incredibly important, especially right now. Why? Because we are becoming increasingly polarized. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hey, did any of you watch The Social Dilemma? It's a documentary all about social networks such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, etc. And it's all about all these execs and former engineers and former marketers and, you know, the geniuses of this tech world who are basically coming out and sharing what they've created knowingly and unknowingly and how it's become a little bit of a Frankensteinian monster that they didn't know they were making and has now had taken a turn in very insidious, dangerous, frightening, massive uh, ways. And its implications. And listen, guys, I, I've i spoken about the perils of social media in the past. I will continue to educate myself and spread this message. I think it's very important. In my own uh, business, we are working to minimize our reliance on social media and offer our services and our community connections outside of social media. And I will share more about that as we actually put finishing touches and finalize uh, the new plan that we have for everybody but that's taking quite a lot of work and a huge investment but we're really working on it Um, but one of the things that I wanted to highlight today is the fact that they were showing in that documentary that there has been a, a significant and marked increase in polarization and you know this is obviously something that's very clear in the political sphere particularly in the USA and as I'm recording this we're in this crazy election cycle and polarization is extremely high. It's visceral. It's really, we can feel it. Um, and But it's on the rise and it's not just in politics and it's not just in America. It could be about um, the uh, pandemic and understanding the pandemic. It could be about religion. It could be about um, vaccinations. It could be about financial um uh, institutions. It could be about um, just social issues, cultural issues, financial and economic approaches, um, you know, vaccinations, you name it. Uh, topics are extremely polarizing. And what is happening is that we are actually moving further and further away as a society. We're moving further and further away from harmony, from unity, from understanding each other, from recognition and mutual respect and finding the places that we have commonalities, finding our overlaps, uh, finding ways to work together and actually bunkering down more and more in our camps, right? Left versus right, uh, conservative versus liberal, It could be uh, anything, really. I'm just going to use those examples because they're so obvious, but it could be, you know, anti-vax, pro-vax. It could be people who have very polarized um, opinions about our educational systems, about our economic uh, systems. 
about uh, social issues, right? And they are becoming increasingly deaf to each other's ideas and increasingly convinced of their own ideas. And why is this happening to us? Well, one of the reasons that they share in the social dilemma that this is happening to us is because we are living in an echo chamber. So if you haven't heard that phrase before, it's the idea that you basically go into a room with an echo and you're just hearing the same voice bounce off the walls again and again, but no new voices are coming in. An echo chamber basically continually repeats back to you what you already know, what you've already said, what you already believe, and doesn't challenge your ideas or expose you to new ones. And here's why this is to do with social media. When you go on Facebook, YouTube, it's true for all of them, okay? It doesn't matter, Instagram, all of those places. What the algorithms want to do, and they do this brilliantly, and even the engineers who have built these algorithms don't fully understand just how brilliantly they do it and how it's done, right? Um, and I, I, don't, I mean that literally. They said, you know, we built it, but then it's machine learning. It goes beyond human capacity for understanding the fine tuning that happens. But basically what is happening, and this is even true in the Google search engine, guys, you type in a uh, search topic, okay, say climate change. That was an example they brought in the social dilemma. If you type in climate change, depending on where you live and depending on what Google already knows about your opinions and uh, the, the opinions of the people around you, it will autofill your search in completely opposite ways, depending on what it knows about you. So if it knows that you're in a place and you're the type of person who thinks climate change is very, very real and a huge threat, it will autofill, you know, climate change is going to ruin the world or climate change is the biggest problem facing humanity today or something like that. And if it knows that you're in a place that is skeptical or critical of climate change theories, it will fill in climate change is a hoax or something like that. I mean, this is the extent of how completely polarized, completely different, completely opposite, and not based on facts or reality, but rather based on your previously held opinions, um, the, the networks and the systems and even the search engines that we're using truly are. So if you go into Facebook and you already love, you know, sheep, whatever, and they know that you're a sheep supporter and you really like sheep and you want to talk about wool and raising sheep and all of that stuff, then you will be served up ads that, that confirm that. You will be shown opinions uh, that are pro-sheep and you will be completely shielded from any opinions that criticize sheep. Obviously, I'm just using sheep as a term. I hope it doesn't mean anything that I don't mean it to mean. I mean the animal, okay? Fluffy white creatures. Um, it doesn't matter. Pro anything, okay? Whatever you're pro or against, you can bet that Google, YouTube, everybody already knows that about you and they continue to serve up more and more things that will confirm your current held viewpoints. And they will very rarely share with you anything that they think that you're not likely to like, to read, to engage with, to enjoy, and to share. 
So the algorithm isn't there to help you broaden your opinions, to help you become a critical thinker, to help you balance out your viewpoints, to help you challenge yourself, to help you develop empathy for the other side and understand why people have different held opinions. The algorithm is optimized to simply keep your attention on the platform. And to do that, they know that the best thing to do is to continuously feed you and to echo back to you the things that you already believe and that you already think and to confirm for you that you are in the right, that you are a good person, that you are correct, that you are being supported and backed by a lot of people around you, that you're not alone, right? These are all feelings that all of us want to feel. And so these networks are doing that to keep us feeling that. What has all of this got to do with anything? When we are living in increasingly solitary echo chambers, each of us is literally living in our own kind of universe online. It's completely 100% catered to and fine-tuned to keep you hooked there and to support your currently held viewpoints. It is so easy to walk around in the world and think, well, those people are just crazy. Don't they see all the information that I see? Haven't they learned all the things that I've learned? Don't they see the posts and the op-eds and the news pieces and the titles and the headlines that I'm seeing? Because if they did, of course, they wouldn't think what they think. They would think what I think. Well, no, they don't see those things. They're being served an entirely different set of facts, (laughs) of facts, of articles, of videos that are serving to further and further convince them that their viewpoint is right. And I think that this is such a dangerous environment for us to be in for the fabric of the family, for the fabric of us as parents, for our children. And here's why. And this is true even if your children are not on social media. Okay, even if your children are not on social media, what's happening in our circles, okay, it's happening in schools, it's happening Um, in each of us as adults who are hooked into this, you know, to these networks, etc. I mean, as I say, it's even your Google search, you don't actually have to be on a social network in order to be influenced in this way and to be put into an echo chamber. But here's why I think this is so important. As a parent, I have some very strongly held um, goals that I want to help my children develop during their childhood. And I think that living in this kind of environment is completely counterproductive, is completely the opposite, right, of those goals. So let me go into those goals and then I'll explain why I think this is doing the opposite. So the first thing that I really want my kids to develop is critical thinking. Now, critical thinking, what that basically means is our ability to to discern information, right, to remain somewhat skeptical of it, to hear an idea, to hear a thought, to hear a fact even, to hear a headline, and to be able to dissect it and understand where it's coming from, what it means, what it might be omitting, right? What it is um, driven by, whose agenda is it coming from? Is it in fact true? How do we know it's true? Why did the people who say that say that, right? To really be able to tease apart what... Uh, what this information means, what this mantra means, what this slogan means, what this tagline means, what this article, video, podcast, etc. means. Who's presenting it to me? Why are they presenting it to me? Why are these the facts that they're sharing? Where do they come from? What have they left out? 
Raising critical thinkers means they absolutely must be exposed to alternative points of view. They must take them seriously. They must contend with them. If we want to raise critical thinkers and if we ourselves want to be critical thinkers, that means we have to actually face confronting points of view and be able to tease them apart and be able to begin to discern and dissect truth from lie, fact from fiction, what resonates with us and what feels true to us from what feels, uh, you know, not true and unhelpful to us, etc. right? Really kind of teasing apart the useful information so that we can not throw out the baby with the bathwater and also trust ourselves as good thinkers, as people who can really... Uh, you know, trust our minds, be, be, be in the world where we feel that we can navigate, we have a map. If we want to raise critical thinkers, the opposite of what we want for them is to be in an echo chamber. And this is what's happening in school systems. This is what ha what's happening on social media. Um, and this is often what we're doing as parents is overprotecting and shielding our children from any ideas that we don't agree with. Um, and again, this is not, for me at least, I'm not talking about the right or the left per se, right? I'm not talking about America per se. I'm not talking about politics per se. I'm talking about any polarizing idea, anything that we are, we have conviction for, right? Like for example, many parents I know are religious and they very much want to you know, uh, really teach their children to love that religion, to, uh, to, to be believers, right? Now, what happens in a religious home when you don't um, at all allow, when you censor uh, dissenting opinions, when you censor the idea that someone might not believe in this or someone might not think it's true, um, you make that into a dangerous idea, and shielding your child from that idea actually makes them more vulnerable to it. They get a bigger shock when they eventually do come up against it, which they will. And they feel like, oh my gosh, this, this is exact thing, the exact thing my parents never wanted me to come in contact with. It must be a truly compelling, truly powerful force that I can't contend with. When instead we... Uh, immunize our children, right? We allow them exposure to things that don't make, um, maybe we don't agree with. Like, you know, really think about the immune system, right? We have to meet germs and bacteria and all of that stuff so that our body can learn to deal with them, to contend with them, to build up the immunity to those things. If we're never faced with certain, you know, germs, then we are actually weaker. Our immune system is weak. The same is true for our thinking system. If we are never confronted with people who disagree, with people who make different choices in life, with people who criticize our choices, etc., then we are extremely vulnerable to those ideas when they come around because we don't build up a sense of resilience. Um, I think this is true for adults, but it's certainly true for children. And it frightens me to think that we are raising children to think that certain ideas are dangerous for them, that they can't handle them, um, digest them, uh, d dissect them, be critical thinkers, right? And contend with beliefs that aren't exactly uh, what we believe to be true. So I think even though we all have convictions as parents, we all have certain beliefs that we really want our children to believe in, um, we all have certain value systems that we really want to pass on, 
The best way to make those value systems strong uh, in our children is to also allow a little bit of uh, of controversy, right? Uh, to, to for, for something to poke holes a little bit in that thing so that it can grow a thicker skin, a stronger backbone and withstand it. We want our children to learn to um, discern information. We want them to learn that a lot of different people say a lot of different things. And even things written in books and in newspapers and in articles and on the internet doesn't necessarily mean that they have to believe it or that it's true or that it's a reliable source or that it's helpful. What we don't want is for them to never realize that fact, to never contend with that fact, and instead to be incredibly vulnerable, gullible, and naive, and uh, in, in a, stuck in an echo chamber where they never have to contend with and grow stronger in the face of complex opinions. So that's number one, is critical thinking. The second thing that I would really love for my children to develop is a balanced and nuanced opinion. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing, is that lots of different ideas are really seductive and attractive and exciting. And I see this within parenting, right? I talk about parenting a lot. I read about parenting a lot. There are certain ideas that can lure us in and we can take them to the extreme. The thing is that everything, when taken to the radical extreme, when taken into a fundamental place, when we polarize our opinions all the way to one end or the other of a spectrum, they typically tilt into a more pathological place. They typically go into an unhealthy place. I've given this example before, but you guys know I love the tenets of attachment parenting. I practice them. I love the birth bonding and the bed sharing and the breastfeeding and the baby wearing and all that stuff. However, if I take that to the extreme, if I don't also introduce the B of balance, right? If I take it to the extreme, then I could become self-sacrificing, um, a martyr, exhausted, burnt out, resentful, and depressed. So even some of the best ideas, when taken to the extreme, are going to become uh, you know, chaotic or too rigid or just unhealthy. And Dr. Daniel Siegel talks about this as the banks of the river of mental health, right? Where on the one side we have rigidity and on the other side we have chaos, right? The one side is, let's say, authoritarian parenting, right? It's rigid. There are rules. There's a hierarchy. There's extreme order. There's extreme high expectations, and all the way on the other side is chaos, and that's permissive parenting, where there are no rules and no boundaries and no expectations, and maybe a lot of support, but very little by the way of expectations. And, the, and we are all, on every different polarizing issue in our life, riding down this river, and we bump up against the side of rigidity and order and tyranny, and then we can go all the way to the other side into chaos and permissiveness and a complete lack of stability. And where we want to actually go is down the middle of the stream, right? We want to continuously balance ourselves down the middle of the stream. Now, the problem is that in order to balance out our opinion, sometimes we need to veer, right, to either one of the banks and to be kind of nudged back into the center, um, nudged back into balance, into equilibrium. And to do that, maybe we need to be exposed to alternative viewpoints. If we want to raise children who are balanced and nuanced, maybe we need to be challenging our ideas about religion, about health, about the economy, 
about how to live, whatever, right? Um, maybe other opinions that disagree with us are exactly those opinions that can help us to understand ideas and objections that we hadn't yet considered. Because when we're on one of those banks, we're in this extreme place, we're not seeing all of the value that we could see from the other side. So I give the example of homeschooling and I, I and I share that when I wanted to homeschool, um, my husband didn't want to homeschool. And it was great because he forced me to really contend and balance out my opinion and become more nuanced and become stronger and become more of a critical thinker. He brought up points that I needed to think about, right? So if I'm deciding to become a homeschooler and my husband says, yeah, but what about socialization? And I say, well, you know, screw you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You you have the wrong opinion. You don't get it. You're you're just dark and archaic and, and you don't understand the, the enlightened, amazing, awakened idea of homeschooling. If I go down that path, that polarizing path, right, where I don't want to hear a, an opinion that doesn't agree with me, that challenges me, that pokes a hole in my theory, then I have just lost the opportunity to um, make my opinion more nuanced and complex. If instead I contend with it, if instead I assume that maybe someone really has something to offer me, maybe they might have a point, maybe that's something I should consider. And the truth is, it absolutely is, right? For example, this example of homeschooling, he says, you you know, socializing is an issue. Hey, guess what? It is. It's something I need to think about. Where will my kids find friends? How will we be part of a community if we're homeschooling? How am I going to contend with that and overcome that issue? If I can't answer that, then how strong was my opinion to begin with? If I think that that's going to completely deflate me, if I can't contend with it, and maybe, maybe I actually need to balance my viewpoint out a little bit as by the way I have, because we do a hybrid model, right, where my kids do go to programs two or three times a week, right, in a school or in an alternative school or in a preschool, but they are part of some kind of system or a co-op every year. Um, And I would be totally open to doing more of that, you know, it depends on the scenario. But my point is that it could balance me out and it could actually um, add a lot more flavor, a lot more shades of gray, a lot more nuance, a lot more layers, uh, and make my opinion more and appropriately complex um, because these issues are complex, right? So homeschooling is just one example, but anything else that you feel incredibly bunkered down in your opinion about is exactly the place where we want to start listening to an opposing point of view so that it can balance us out and introduce nuance and show us that there might be sides to this that we didn't fully understand, sides to this that we do want to take into consideration and maybe we need to find greater equilibrium. So if I want to teach my children that, then what I want to teach them is that everybody is worth at least listening to, right? Some people's ideas are going to be so off, you know, so off the deep end, so extreme, so unhelpful, so, you know, negative that we'll listen and then we'll very quickly reject them. But most people that we encounter are going to have some kernels of truth in their ideas. They're going to have something that we can take from it, um, either because it will strengthen our resolve in our direction or because we actually have to uh, moderate what we're thinking and what we're saying. So how are they going to get balanced and nuanced opinions if we're continuously polarizing and also if we're continuously Um, naming anyone on the other side of the debate as, you know, a terrible person, a stupid person, someone we can't listen to, someone we can't 
connect with. And the final thing that I really want my kids to learn is empathy and diversity. And I know diversity is a big buzzword, but here's what I mean. I think we don't really celebrate diversity in our society. We talk about it, um, but we don't. We don't celebrate diversity that is deep. We celebrate only superficial diversity, right? Only skin deep, only what you look like, only what is seen on the outside. The real diversity that I think is so much more profound is the diversity of opinions, diversity of thought, attitudes, approaches, temperaments, what goes on on the inside of a person, what goes on in their hearts and minds and souls and their approach to the world. If we decided that we really want to learn from different people, and this was always kind of the idea of not only of tolerance, but of um, of maybe multiculturalism or of coexistence or of, uh, you know, opening our minds just in general, I think there is so much to learn from each other. And this, you could be two people that look exactly the same, come from exactly the same background, you know, same socioeconomic status, everything. However, there's massive differences between you in the way that you process and experience the world, in your temperaments, in your cognitive patterns, in your spiritual journey. Um, There's a deep diversity there of human experience, of human approach, of, of our patterns of thinking. And I think that's fascinating and cool and interesting. And even people who I wildly disagree with, who I completely can't relate to what they're saying, or who I really think what they're saying is kind of terrible, um, they can be a place for me to grow curious and to learn and to uh, accept and maybe even celebrate sometimes uh, the fact that there are lots of different ways of being a human and there are lots of different ways of understanding the world and lots of different prisms through which we interpret information. Now, not all of them are valid and not all of them work, absolutely. But I do want my children to understand that it's okay for someone else to believe differently. It's okay for someone else to vote differently. It's okay for someone else to have a different lifestyle or different choices for their family. This is one of the things we often say, right? When we go to another family and they have different rules about screens or different rules about sugar or different rules about school or different rules about bedtime, we say, you know, Every person, every family is different. Every child needs different things. um, And families have to do what works for them. And we do different things. And we celebrate that. And we think that that's a great model for the world to operate with is the understanding that whilst yes we all need to get along we don't all need to believe and think the same things as long as we're not you know hurting each other uh, we can hold completely different beliefs and so do we mean that when we say celebrate diversity are we really doing it are we really really uh you know allowing for diversity of opinions and of thought right are we allowing diversity of thought So the thing we need to understand is that shielding kids from diversity of opinions, from critical thinking, from balance and nuance, from complexity, from disagreements, um, does not make them stronger. It makes them weaker. And we really need to ask ourselves, if you love someone, if you love and care about someone, like you love and care about your children, do you shield them from the opportunities to grow stronger? Do you wrap them in bubble wrap and protect them and block their ears and close their eyes so that they never know that there are different opinions in the world and that there are different ways of viewing a situation? 
or like exposing them, you know, in moderation <laughs> when they are healthy to different germs um, that actually helps immunize them and build a stronger system and a more integrated system and one that can contend with the complexity of life. So I think we want to share with them other opinions and teach them tolerance in the face of differing world views, right? And, uh, you know, we, we do this with our children, for example, about, let's say, uh, religion, for example, or about our approach to bodies or to bedtimes or to education. They know that not everybody thinks like us. They know that not everybody behaves like us. They know that other families have different rules and different opinions and that that's a-okay. That's great. That's beautiful. It takes all sorts and that's cool, right? We help them to poke holes in their own theories and not to get stuck in the trap of arrogant self-assurance and self-righteousness. And what that means is that when my child makes a bombastic statement about something they don't really understand, then I'll uh, kind of go through a Socratic method, if you will, of poking questions at that. Like, huh, how did you come to that conclusion? Who told you about that? Why do you think they said that? What do you think it means? What have you made it mean? Did you get this information from a reliable source? Have you checked? Do you understand what the consequences of that type of thinking could be? Um, why are you repeating this idea that perhaps you can't back up, right? We can sometimes get into this self-assurance place, into the self-righteousness place, and especially in the age of, you know, Googling everything, then we think we know things just because we've heard a sound bite or just because we got third uh, third-hand information, or just because we read one article, we think we have an in-depth grasp of it, and I want my children to know, no, you don't. Um, we actually really need to go a lot deeper on that. I also want to help them know that there is always something to learn from others, right? Even if on the surface, it doesn't seem that way. You can meet people who seem much less intelligent than you, or who seem to live a completely different lifestyle than you, or who look like the type of people you would disagree with on every kind of level. And just understanding that there is an arrogance to assuming that you don't have anything to learn from them, um, or that you're not interested in what they have to say. Maybe they have some, maybe they don't, maybe they don't have anything to teach you, but I think that's probably very rare. Probably everybody has something to their opinion. Everybody has a kernel of truth and everybody certainly has uh, the right to it. And then we want to help them understand that ideas are something that we can contend with. Um, a lot of people talk about ideas as dangerous or words as dangerous. And I think that that creates very weak children who can't handle uh, the idea that there might be a disagreement. You know, um, I think that debate and disagreement and conversation and really kind of sh um, uh, shaping and prodding at and um, molding ideas, concepts, information into something coherent and cohesive is exactly what we want in our culture, exactly what we want in our families, exactly what we want our children to do. And so they need some juicy ideas to chew on throughout their childhood, right? We need to show them that, huh, that's interesting. Let's think about it more. Let's talk about it more. Let's find more sources for this. Let's analyze it. Let's make judgments. How about you come to your opinion and how about it be an informed opinion? 
a well thought out op opinion, an opinion that people can actually ask you confronting questions and probing questions on and that you can actually stand up to, right? And this could be on any topic in the world, it doesn't matter, but anything you're going to fly a flag for, anything you're going to st say, any statement you're going to make, you know, how about we try and develop a situation where you can actually stand behind it? Ideas can be teased apart, right? They can be analyzed. We can make judgments on them. We can decipher their validity and value and if they're real or if they're true, if they're helpful, if they're kind, if they align with our values or not. Those are the types of skills we want to offer our children. And finally, you know, just a kind of heartfelt plea for, for unity and for harmony and for kindness and compassion. Um, I, I, you know, Gandhi said, be the change. The change starts with each of us. Um, but I think I really want my children to understand that they have more in common with everybody that they meet than they have that divides them. Even if they feel like they're on polar opposite sides of a spectrum, they still have humanity in common and they still are going to both contend with challenges in life and with ups and downs and heartbreak and love and loneliness and frustration and, uh, you know, depression and all different things that humans go through. And it doesn't really matter what that person's belief system, that's still going to be their human experience. And so I think that it could be incredibly helpful for, for our children to grow up knowing that all of us have so much in common, that we all have the gift of imagination and and the ability to empathize and to imagine what it's like to be that person, to imagine what it's like to have that point of view on the world, to have been indoctrinated perhaps in that um, in that uh, angle, right? Or to be convinced of it, to have been exposed to those uh, the information that leads them down that path. Because overwhelmingly, right? Overwhelmingly, we have so much more in common than that that divides us. Now. I have felt heartbroken recently seeing that families are being torn apart by polarizing issues, by things like politics, by things like their interpretation of the pandemic. It is absolutely heartbreaking to me to see people say that their grandparents aren't allowed to speak to their grandchildren anymore, uh, to see that marriages are crumbling, that communities and families are being torn apart because of things like this. I think it's heartbreaking. I think it's tragic. I think it's so unnecessary. I think it's the opposite of what any of us truly want in a society. And I don't think that this is something that we should just stand by and watch and allow to happen. I think it needs to be fought. And so I am fighting it um, by sharing this message of depolarizing, of harmonizing, connecting, communicating, even with people we completely disagree with. It doesn't mean that you endorse their ideas. It doesn't mean that you support their concepts. It means that you see the greater humanity in each of us and that you are willing to tolerate and to accept and to connect with people and to try and bring build bridges uh, rather than tearing them down right trying to build connection and to build understanding and to build in listening into our relationships rather than becoming more and more polarized and pushing each other further and further apart if that's something that you believe in and that you want support with especially as we go through these incredibly polarizing times then consider joining me in depolarize at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash depolarize. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. 
And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.